every single year, the whole industry is changing in some way. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you just have to like, I don't know. It's got to keep. I don't know. It's rough. It's rough out here. Yeah. But I mean, that's why we, we're doing it ourselves. You know, it's like some people choose a specific path um, and that's great if that works for them. Our path mm-hmm. is like making the things. The brute, the brute force. The yes. Brute. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Yaku. And I'm Mark. And welcome back to Department Spotlight. It's the show where we talk to our friends and colleagues about their experiences in the film industry. Today, our only friends and colleagues are ourselves. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And since it's the end of the year and it's only us, we thought that it might be cool to do a sort of year in review of what we learned on YouTube and making films and touching a bit on freelancing. So without any further ado, let's get into it. Cool. Okay. So Mark, let's talk about this year. It's been mm-hmm. busy. <laughs> it's been a year. Yeah. It's been a whole year. Um, okay. So I mean, let's list off the things that we did this year. We obviously, we did this podcast. We did, mm-hmm. or oh, we released 12 movies, short films. Mm-hmm. We released behind the scenes for most of those movies. We did editing breakdowns. We did writing breakdowns. We had a couple of shows that died. <laughs> <laughs> um, and died from... Rip between the setups. Uh, you know, yeah, shame. Uh, it's a good idea. Don't uh, know why you didn't like it. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Calling you out, no kidding. <laughs> what we mean by died is obviously just they didn't get enough views to justify doing them. Which is kind of sad because it was like... We had this plan when we shot the six shorts in six weeks where it was like, okay, we're shooting a movie, but we're also getting between the setups video, which is like interviews on set, we're getting bloopers, we're getting the behind the scenes video, and that was going to like last us the whole month, you know? <laughs> but then, you know, I don't know if it's just because we were a new channel or if it's because they just weren't good videos. I, I like them. But yeah, people just didn't watch them. <laughs> But if you uh, want to go back and watch them, then... <laughs> yeah, go go do that. Speaking of like things dying and whatever, how, how has it changed, our content? Because obviously when, when the pandemic hit uh, and we couldn't make more movies, uh, we had to mm. like think about, okay, what, what else are we going to put online, right? Yeah. I think one of the main things was that we had that sort of six months of videos and behind the scenes and stuff all shot and like ready to go. Mm-hmm. Well, we were gonna we were editing them as we were going, but they were all like shot. Mm-hmm. And then we were planning to, in those six months while we were editing and releasing them, we would be making this stuff for the second half of the year. Um, but then when COVID happened, it sort of, stopped everything and then yeah because we couldn't have a crew (laughs) literally yeah and then when it started to when we were able to uh, later on in the year get back to sort of making shorts we had like caught up you know what i mean and then yeah it it felt like we started having to play catch up a bit yeah um and i think that's when it that's when it became like a bit hectic like we were it felt mm. good, like we were always that, like we were always gonna be six months ahead. You know what I mean? Mm, mm, mm. Um, if yeah, if the pandemic hadn't. didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then, yeah, it shifted quite a lot actually, because mm. then we had to start doing stuff online more. Yeah, yeah, and also there was like one film that we couldn't release because we entered it into a, a festival that was gonna get back to us like much earlier so we were still get ready sort of for the for the schedule but but because the pandemic they you know postponed the f- the festival to like august meaning that we would only hear about it in like a year if we got in in like july so we like had to hold back on that film so we um that's when Malamila came out <laughs> because we ran out of films to show <laughs> 
but it also gave us a little bit of time to think about things because uh, I, I think even though there was the pandemic and we weren't shooting with the crew, we were still shooting, you know, we were still writing. Um, we wrote a feature script, which was, which was cool. We started like doing collaborating online a lot more. And that's when we f figured out how to use Zoom, thinking first we're going to use Skype. Like, I think the first thing that we had to, like, shoot during the lockdown was a podcast. Because, like, the mm. podcasts were also, like, a little bit um, ahead. But then we ran out of podcasts mm. and we had to do uh, the cinematography podcast. Tried Skype. Skype didn't really work. Uh, and then we found Zoom. Because, like, everybody found Zoom. <laughs> I feel like yeah. <laughs> the whole world was like, Zoom, it has all these features. I'm sure, like, if people who invested in Zoom before um, the pandemic are rich now, <laughs> they must be. Yeah, yeah, but then it, it worked out. I think also what was uh, an interesting project was Home. Because mm, mm -hmm. that was something that was born out of purely, like, what was happening at the moment. Um, mm, mm. Even, like, the, the, the narrative. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like we... Even though we, we couldn't make films with a crew, we still wanted to make things, right? And it's not it wasn't just we're just making things to make things. It was like sort of an expression of how we felt, you know? Because mm -hmm. like I, I was back, uh, I'm, just, I'm still <laughs> back in Bloemfontein, which is where I grew up. And I was just like, let's make this thing that would be sort of easy to shoot, but that's also like relevant to the times. If, if that doesn't sound too pretentious. <laughs> From writing that, that feature script, we found the program Arc Studio Pro as well, which they made free for like a long time, which it's now a paid app, uh, Arc Studio Pro, which is a writing software that we, we used or use now. Uh, and it just allows us to work together at the same time, even though you're mm -hmm. in Johannesburg, I'm in Bloemfontein. And it just allowed us to like express all these ideas, all these feelings that we were feeling. <laughs> Because um, that was also, it wasn't at the beginning of the lockdown. That was like three, four months in. I can't remember. Yeah. And we had to, we also like reused a lot of stuff that you had shot over the years already. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was like an interesting process to write something for stuff that was already like existing mm, versus mm -hmm. the other way around. Like, obviously, you went and shot a lot of stuff as well. But I mean, yeah. it, it started because you, you know, you had shot, you had stuff from Cape Town, you had stuff from Bloemfontein, you had stuff from Joburg, and then mm. the idea was sort of born out of that. So that was like an interesting yeah. way of yeah. like working it backwards. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously as well, uh, my Scott, which we also shot mm. in lockdown. And uh, that was that was sort of born out of the, the competition that CakeNet had, uh, the digital short film competition. They were like, Go shoot a movie in a month <laughs> at your house. Don't don't leave your house. Just shoot it. And then, you know, a bunch of people entered. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty proud of that one. Um, we wrote it also just online thinking about what we what what I had, because obviously I had the camera um, and stuff and sound equipment or whatever that we needed. Um, yeah, it was that one was really fun because I, I really liked how um well, you can see in the writing video that we made as well about when you just like walked around your garden because <laughs> we knew oh, yeah. we, you knew you had the idea that you wanted to have we wanted to do it like a treasure hunt story mm -hmm. and then it was just yeah literally about going into your back garden and finding a yeah like finding a root like story beats and a yeah. root and yeah and then everything sort of formed really organically I think from that even I think our subsequent writing has also become more like more more contained just naturally I think it was like a good process to go through hmm. that because it forces you to look more at like the micro instead of the macro you know what I mean yeah which was like a really important thing to go through you know what I mean like you can mm -hmm. you can make so much out of just yeah like what you have that garden or yeah you know, yeah we thought about this like a lot last year as well when we wrote the original six scripts, which is keep it small. It's a short film. It's not a it's not a feature film that you're just doing a shorter version of. So mm -hmm. we thought about, a lot about that last year 
But then I think by making home in my skirt, we were like thinking even even smaller, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like we could create these like bigger stories out of just one mm. location or a bunch of locations, but it's only narrated. You know, it's mm. uh, things that you don't need, you know, tw a crew of 20 people to shoot mm -hmm. necessarily. I mean, those exist and those are great as well. And we're probably going to make some of those when we get funding. But a short film, if you don't have anything, can be just what you have. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I definitely think that stuff that we've learned from doing uh, those kinds of films will also just naturally like be there as we develop others. Um, yeah, yeah. As in you know, from just from the script point of view, it will be like, we'll just have more experience of like, we can actually get more out of just this one location or just this one scene or, you know what I mean? Instead yeah. of going sort of bigger unnecessarily, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think when you, I don't want to say inexperienced, um, maybe when you're just starting or if, if you're starting on big things, you don't really think about the minutia of things. You're just like, oh, this scene can happen and then that scene can happen. And yes, there's conflict mm -hmm. because of where they are, you know. It's, mm -hmm. um, but then when you when you restrict it, I feel like it's when a lot of nuanced uh, ideas come naturally. Yeah. Something that you wouldn't really think about at the, at the beginning because that's not yeah. really that. But that's I think that's because that's not really what we're used to seeing. Before you start mm -hmm. making your own stuff, you know, it's just Hollywood movies or, you know, local movies or, but it's like features, you know, uh, before, if you're not interested in film, you're not going to watch short films, you know, and there aren't a lot of platforms, I think that are like, oh yeah, yes, yes, watch the, here's the thing, watch the short film. Um, it's just as much fun as a feature. It's usually only after you become more interested in film, uh, either deciding you want to go to film school or going to film school or having like a film program at your school something like that it's only then when you're like oh yeah short films are also a thing you know yeah i think there are obviously i think with streaming becoming more of a thing there are a lot more platforms coming up where short films are being promoted more and becoming more accessible as like a thing that everyone yeah. watches and not just filmmakers which is really cool true yeah yeah um, yeah it's exciting and it's like i mean we can name a few we could name uh just in south africa there's there's two that recently popped up uh which is sup uh which is starting up in like mid-december and then there's mm -hmm. uh cinemagic which started up in july which for south africans is is pretty cool because it's they're cheap some of the it's like some of them don't require data. Telcom, uh, which is a phone company, is also starting one up. So I think you're right. Yeah, there's a lot of opportunity. <laughs> I just hope they don't all go the way of Quibi, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think they've got more of a focus on like cell phone content, which is which is a nice place for for short films to live, actually, because they are. Mm. Uh, yeah, like you used to. Form. You're used to watching like shorter form videos, like YouTube videos on your phone. So mm -hmm. short films should or feels like it's just a progression of that. Absolutely. Uh, just going back to talking about sort of what we learned about using what was around us. It, it, mm -hmm. it, it reminded me of when we were doing research. Was it last? It was, was last year. Yeah. Last year for Alakrapis. Um, oh, yeah. We went to go interview the, the clowns. clowns. I can't remember which... Who, who exactly said it, but we were talking about like clowning and how they were saying that, that we, were talking, we were asking about like how do they develop their act and then they were speaking about clowning and I suppose you'll have learned about it if you went to like, uh, if you like studied theatre as well, that idea that sort of anything can become like a prop or like a part of the story. Oh, yeah. I mean? Um, and the way that sort of clowning is like a like a mindset or like a lens through which you view things. Mm. Um, and I think that's something we learned as well is that once you start looking like through that lens of like anything can be like a story beat. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was like a really important thing that we learned that's like uh, a lesson that we'll have 
forever, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. And obviously, everything that we're saying isn't like final. We, we're still learning. Like, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it's, it's cool that, like, yeah, we've learned these things, um, but there's more things that we're going to learn. It's, it's, it's fun. I don't know. It, it's, it feels, it feels good to like be doing things. And then, uh, from this thing that you did, you're like, oh, okay, I can change it this way. Or because I did this thing mm. now, I know in this next thing, I, I mean, I guess an example of that could be, uh, proof of concept coming off the back of redacted. Cause mm-hmm. I think, uh, obviously in proof of concept, if you haven't seen it yet, go check it out on the, on the YouTube channel, but it's a, it's a mockumentary about people making a horror film. And we just made a horror film. Um, so with proof of concept, we were thinking of what could go wrong. Uh, what's the conflict of this film? And mm-hmm. it was cool because we just had all these things that just naturally came up while we were shooting Redacted. They were like, um, <laughs> they were kind of like absurd as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like things that could only happen on a film set. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think if we, were, if we just did reda- uh, proof of concept without doing redacted first or if we changed the genre and we hadn't done that genre before i think it wouldn't have been as effective as i think it is yeah for sure because there's like very specific things like the blood rig obviously yeah yeah but i was also thinking about that recently and how it's really cool that proof of concept is like sort of rounding off the year Mm-hmm. It feels like not only a reflection of redacted, but a reflection of the whole year of making. Yeah. Oh, like year and a half. I suppose, yeah, yeah. Since short the, films. Yeah. <laughs> True. Because we just knew about like the. I feel like the characters. Obviously, they're based on like different parts of us and mm-hmm. some other people, but kind of not really. But like, I feel like the characters when we were coming up, to, coming up with them, just came very naturally because it's almost like that that thing of like oh write about what you know Mm. which i don't think is always true because i think you can you know you can learn a thing and then that becomes what you know (laughs) yeah Um, but i mean it's still it's still what you know now (laughs) this one yeah i feel like for this one Mm -hmm. it was exactly what we knew (laughs) yeah you know what i mean yeah like there was never a point where yeah and i mean we even talk about it's a passion project we can't really pay anybody or yeah you know (laughs) there's a lot of yeah so many in in jokes yeah uh, exactly people arriving late Mm. people getting a paid gig and like leaving which is which is fine (laughs) yeah yeah of course (laughs) it's just like a funny just a funny thing to put in yeah and also i mean i think specifically from the podcast as well we we learned a lot about the different it's called department spotlight we interviewed mm-hmm. all these departments that we don't necessarily have direct experience with, you know, like uh, because of all the content that we've made this year, not just the films, we could put that into our films, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I think we also learned that from doing Redacted, like you can't not have a production designer. Yeah. <laughs> it, just, it just doesn't, just doesn't work. Like, yeah, yeah. You Especially have to have someone to design the, the yeah. production. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> and I mean, I think I think the reason we thought we could do it was because on the six shorts we only had a production designer on the one film, and the rest we yeah. sort of just made up. But those films, I don't know. They yeah, that was like a, that was more. They were mostly um, comedy ones, so we just used what we had. Yeah, and I feel like we also wrote. Like, I'm um, just thinking about specifically, like, Justine Case. Mm-hmm. We wrote specifically around the production design elements that we knew we would we yeah. had, we could get. <laughs> but also, <laughs> funny funny you should bring up Justine Case, because I should have realized that then already, because uh, I hadn't gotten the boxes yet, remember? Like, we didn't have moving boxes uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> on yeah, the day yeah. of the shoot. I had to send, like, <laughs> Janera, who was, like, our BTS person. She just like went to a couple of like stores when they opened and just like, do you have boxes? And then, <laughs> so even then, like we, you need a production designer to just make sure that all the props are there, make sure that the continuity is the same everywhere. And I mean, even in the difference, the difference between sort of something like redacted and public engagement when there was like specific stuff that had to be made. 
mm-hmm. versus something like proof of concept where there wasn't anything sort of specific, I suppose, that had to be made from not having a, a production designer on Redactor. We did have to make stuff, even moving on to proof of concept where we knew we didn't even have to make stuff. We still yeah, like got, learned our lesson yeah. <laughs> and got the production designer because you just need someone even there who just has like an eye for these things. Yeah. Because yeah. then... Like, for example, there by the staircase, she hung up that uh, sheet um, mm-hmm. because there was like a, a, a gem in the background there, right? And we didn't want to mm-hmm. really see that. And obviously, if it was just me and you... Uh, trying to figure out we wouldn't have just had a sheet <laughs> to hang up there no, yeah. but because she's a production designer she had one you know shout out Raquel yeah. and she just I don't know planned in such a way that we could just be like okay we're shooting this way you know and obviously with you know proof of concept it was um, like gear and stuff <laughs> it's obviously mm-hmm. in shot um, so that's like the whole point <laughs> but then we'd be like okay we're shooting this way and then she would just like dress up behind it yeah and then, yeah i know what it needs to look like and, you, and when we return to a location she's like oh yeah okay this was here whatever yeah yeah it was just yeah yeah you need a production designer no matter if you like <laughs> the smallest film just get somebody really in that it. role i mean even if it is even if you are doing it yourself know how much sort of time or like <laughs> i suppose like mental capacity yeah. You have to sort of dedicate to yeah, it. Yeah, I mean? yeah. Just don't think that it's something yeah. that's going to like come together. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we move on to sort of like what we've learned from YouTube, doing YouTube. I think that's a cool topic. You know, you, you watch, like, I don't know if you <laughs> how much YouTube other people watch, but... I watch a lot of YouTube and I've been watching a lot of YouTube since since I was working um, at my previous job because that was a lot of like effects work and whatever. And then there's like no sound. So I would just put a, a YouTube video in the background just to like listen to it while I while I work, because like if you're just sitting there in silence clicking, you're going to go insane, <laughs> you know, <laughs> obviously when you're like editing, uh, you can't put a YouTube video in because you need to hear what the what the people are saying, but when you're like doing effects work and stuff. Anyways, um, so I've been watching like a lot of YouTube. It's sort of embarrassing how much YouTube I watch. I probably have like four or five hours a day on YouTube, uh, just in general. And it's gotten more since lockdown, obviously. Um, But what I'm getting at is you watch these channels and you think like, and and they're like, yeah, you just got to be consistent and then you'll grow and this and that. And so we were like thinking, okay, we're just going to be super consistent. We're going to have a video every Tuesday and every Friday and a new short film on the first Friday of every month. And that'll just, we'll just get subscribers. You know, that's just Mm. how, that's, that's how it works. That's what everybody says. And I think I was sort of very discouraged around May when we only had 180 subscribers, right? Because we started on 56 um, back in back when we released the announcement video, which was, I think it was a year ago. It was November, yeah, t- November 2019. And very quickly we grew to like 100 because, you know, we announced this thing and we told all our friends to subscribe because we're going to be starting this thing in January. And then in like May, we only grew by like 80 people. And I was like, yo... <laughs> This is rough. <laughs> yeah. Because by that point, we'd already released like 50 videos. So it was pretty, pretty difficult back then. And then we had that video that was doing, that was generating a lot of interest, which was Avid versus Premiere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was one of our podcast extracts where we were just talking about it during our editing podcast. Um, so it wasn't really like we, there was no B-roll. There was just music and us talking. So I was always sort of like embarrassed about about that video, but it was the only thing that was like generating subscribers and interest and views. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you'd be embarrassed about it if you didn't if it didn't get like as much attention as it did. Yeah, 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 I yeah think exactly. What I think what the what the the amount of views it was getting sort of shifted it away from just being like a conversation mm. to being like this educational informative yeah. super educational thing that had to like serve a purpose as opposed to like us just talking about our experiences with like editing programs 
mm. like our very like specific yeah which um, is which is what it was uh, intended to be experience. you know yeah just what it was yeah intended to be and then it just became this like whole other thing mm, mm, mm. where it was supposed to be like the like yeah it was number our, one our definitive dude if you search avid versus premiere it was stuff. number one on youtube it was like it was not like you know number four number five it was like the first thing that people would see when they search for that so it's insane so it's exactly what you're saying i think that's why i was embarrassed about it because we were putting all this effort into our other videos like the films and the behind the scenes blah 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 but then the podcast video extract was just it was just a conversation and then all all the comments were like okay but but you didn't talk about this and you didn't talk about that and this and so and yeah it's like yeah because we didn't plan on talking about that cause exactly exactly podcast <laughs> but then we refreshed that video right i remember asking you mark it was like okay let's do this and you were like you're insane <laughs> um, Dude, because <laughs> because obviously you need we needed to not only use the programs but learn how learn them as well right i mean i had i had experience on all of them some experience um but it was either a long time ago or it was a different version or uh it was just not really to the extent that we were editing our YouTube videos. So it was quite quite a thing. And we recorded those two weeks in advance, luckily. So I had two weeks to edit um, them. Like the, I mean, I'm not even talking about the comparison video. I'm talking about on the page, which is the, the series that I used to compare apples to apples, you know, because it's a series about the same sort of topic, which was writing. And mm. it had like its own- Same style. Yeah, style. Mm editing language so it would be like easy to know that okay in this section this is what i do in this section this is what i do and then i can compare in premiere i do it like this in davinci i do it like this in avid and final cut do it that way and then i can mm -hmm. compare them so that was like the plan but like when we released the comparison video that's when the channel really started taking off um mm -hmm. We gained a lot of subscribers, a lot of views. And then after that, we were like, okay, we're still going to keep doing what we're doing, which is a film and the podcast and the behind the scenes videos and the, the editing videos, the writing videos. We're still going to be doing those. But every now and then we'll sprinkle in a special video, right? Mm -hmm. Like that. And those special videos, I think, are the ones that are catching people's attention. And those are the ones that are getting us subscribers. Because people can now go mm -hmm. back and be like, oh, they, they edited all these videos. Let me go watch how they edit these videos. Or... Oh, they made films. Let me go watch their films. Um, yeah. And I think that ties back into what we were saying about in our Q&A video, I think it was, that we just did. Go watch that if you haven't. Um, <laughs> where we talk about sort of making stuff related to mm, the to subject your channel, that you're yeah. in, mm. to your channel. Um, like, obviously, if we had made a... Um, what was your funny comparison? Uh, apple sauce versus banana sauce. <laughs> apple sauce versus banana sauce. Like if we released that on the film on a filmmaking channel, then that apple sauce versus banana sauce video itself would have probably done well, but then no one would have gone and subscribed to yeah. potentially subscribe or check out the other videos that we had made because they they aren't it's they aren't interested in the same thing but you know you know yeah yeah and just as like an example we when we filmed you can see in that video the Q&A video that when we filmed it we had 513 subscribers we filmed that a week ago and today we've got we've got 550 subscribers you know so it's like all these special videos that we're doing are speeding up the growth of the channel right which which is then going to lead to us eventually having our audience who watches our videos and not just new people coming to watch the comparison videos. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like the film we just released, besides for both of Karen, which obviously was on a playlist and that's why it got so many views. But besides for that film, it's the one it got to, to number one or to 350 views the quickest. And it's just keep it just keeps going, you know? So so what I think you should do as a as a youtube creator is make a lot of videos that will bring people to your channel but don't mm -hmm. only do those videos do videos that you want to be doing which is sort of what sarah dici has always been talking about one for them one for me mm -hmm. which is which i think is is very true like you you do a video that's going to bring people to your channel but then make sure that you have other videos that's going to keep them there you know mm -hmm. so so yeah I'm going to say that 
from my experience, I don't think consistency is the number one factor when it comes to YouTube or growing YouTube fast. I think it's more making the content that people want to watch. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, what I are mean, your thoughts on yeah. YouTube? Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's like, it can be like disheartening sometimes because like you put effort into a thing and then it just... Yeah, people just don't watch it. <laughs> people just don't watch it. Um, and you're just like, why? Yeah. Like, I literally have no idea It's like if, if I was, if I didn't know these things already, this is the kind of video that I would watch, you know? Exactly. That's the thing. Yeah, but I think, um, but I think that comes back to like YouTube isn't promoting us as much for those videos yet. Yeah, I don't know. It's just been like up and down, I suppose. Uh, because on one hand, I do think that it is, it is very good to just like, just constantly be making something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is one of the uh, beneficial things just for you, for yourself. You spoke about consistency and yeah, it, it, it I think it is getting, uh, it does get a bit much sometimes, but I think one, I think one good thing is just like just doing it because you have to do it trains that sort of thing that I was speaking about in the acting podcast, which is like creativity being a muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like you just keep on just like do it because you, you just have to do it. And like, you may not enjoy doing it at that moment or, and the next day you may, mm-hmm. but I think it's just about like training yourself into yeah. doing that thing. And like, I suppose you'll find you'll really you'll figure it out if you really don't like doing it. I su- <laughs> there are times, I suppose, for probably for both of us, where we've been like, "Ugh, I don't feel like doing this. I don't yeah. like doing this." Yeah. But I don't know. Like I always not justified to myself. I always come to that back to that realization of just like you are a person who makes things through video. <laughs> <laughs> this is the you do that thing. Yeah. So. Why are you not doing that thing? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I suppose if you can't find that thing, then perhaps do something else. But, and I suppose, I think it's also, um, I think we always wanted to use it for like a platform to grow a community. And I think what going, looking at like proof of concept as well, because it had like such a big cast Mm. and crew of people, Mm. um, looking around, it felt like, you know, at the 12th farm towards the end of the year, it felt like, hey, we did a, we did a thing, you know what I mean? Because we yeah. built this. Yeah. And like a lot of people of, we want to come together and. Yeah. And like so, most of the people returned. It's not like, I mean, there was some people that we hadn't had in productions before, but there was yeah. like most of them were like, this is their second or th- even third project yeah. that they're doing with us, which was cool. I don't think for me personally, I could just, could like just do YouTube because I think the what we were speaking about previously with the <laughs> putting up videos and then they just no one watches them, I think would get a bit too disheartening. But I think if you're using it to supplement that other thing that you like doing, for example, like cooking channels or other filmmaking channels, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you're not just making videos to like get views or something. They like serve another purpose of that thing that you enjoy doing. I think that's like a big pro. Yeah, benefit. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I don't know, it's it's rough. It's up and down. I think it's (laughs) a lot better now because. Yeah, we're consistently gaining views and subscribers. Hitting a stride and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I suppose it'll get rough again when the stride (laughs) dies down and then. (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So wrapping up YouTube section, just like be consistent, but, you know, make sure that you are you're not burning out while you're consistent rather do the things that get you to your goal which is if if your goal is getting to a thousand subscribers then do the videos that will get you a thousand subscribers rather than you know breaking your back making two videos every week but then nobody watches them mm-hmm. yeah i think and that yeah always yeah. M- make sure that you're supplementing the thing that you like doing yes Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Cool. Um, So let's talk about how we've been, like, making money (laughs) this year. (laughs) How have we funded all these films? How have we been able 
financially and like with our schedules, how have we been able to afford to do YouTube to the degree mm. that we've been doing it? So what we've been doing is we've been freelancing um, for a while now. Uh, but the freelancing work is more sort of like promotional work, commercial work, editing, you know, things for other people. And while those things pay the bills and while they, you know, they're not like the worst thing to create, sometimes you want to make things for yourself, right? And I think that's what that's what what we've been doing. Mm. Well, I think it's also making things for yourself, but also keeping the goal in mind of like... Oh, yeah, yeah, like the, the career goal. Want, yeah. yeah, we want like the things that we like doing like the films to become the thing that we do for money. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, you yeah. can't just jump off, start doing that straight away. Cause it just, I don't know, it just yeah. doesn't work that way. Exactly. Exactly. Um, like we said in like, proof of concept, it's not like any other field <laughs> yeah. in the entire world <laughs> that Literally. works that way. Literally um, everywhere else you could just go study it and then immediately have a job. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and then you go do that thing, and it's related to the thing, and then yeah, and it's the, the exact position that that you want. Maybe not the exact position, but like in a couple of years, you're like there. You're like the manager of the accounting firm. I don't know, but or you could just like go and be an accountant after you started accounting. Maybe start as a junior accountant, but then you're an accountant. You know, whereas mm -hmm. in the film industry, it's like oh, you studied film, but it's sort of some 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 in this in this industry some people are like oh you you studied film well we didn't study film so we're going to give the opportunities to the people who also didn't study film <laughs> you know yeah so in this industry it's really about who you know and on what set you can get on you know it's like it's not, people are not posting in the newspaper <laughs> like production designer needed or <laughs> A director yeah. wanted it's like you need and to also, there's a million and one ways to get into film yeah and it, it feels like every single year there's a million more and <laughs> every single year the whole industry is changing in some way mm -hmm. and <laughs> mm -hmm. you just have to like i don't know it's got to keep I don't know, it's rough it's rough out here yeah <laughs> But I mean, that's why we, we're doing it ourselves. You know, it's like some people choose a specific path um, and that's great if that works for them. Our path mm -hmm. is like making the things. The brute, the brute force. Of yes, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Making the things, figuring out how to do it, finding people to do it with us and then just keep going. You know, and I, I think it's already sort of paying off. I can't really talk about how it's paying off because it's nothing's confirmed yet and nothing is official yet. So, but it is sort of like working in some ways. We just need to keep our heads high, keep doing what we're doing. And like Mark said, keep the goal in mind. I think freelancing is great for paying the bills. And, you know, it could also be in a fulfilling job where you, you make things that other people post and if it's stuff that you believe in then it's like cool yeah I, i'll tell my friends i made that thing but obviously our goal is to to do feature films and series and do narrative work um so while i do enjoy doing promotional work i think there's a lot of other things that i would like to be doing so yeah from working with lots of people this year and doing other freelance work we sort of formalized ourselves into a company but i think where we almost, we've got sort of other projects on the go, but we, we, as a sort of company right now, we sort of freelance together. But I suppose just finishing off here, we just wanted to maybe uh, give some our, our learnings on freelancing as well and various questions. So what do you want to start with? How did you find your first clients? Because I mean, I think, okay, so I, there's two things, right? Either you decide I'm just going to go freelance or you try something else. You try mm -hmm. working for a place and then you decide, okay, no, now I'm going freelance. Or you working in a certain industry and then you decide, okay, now I'm going to go freelance in that other industry. So I think, mm -hmm. I think it's always scary. That doesn't matter which route you take to start freelancing. I think it's scary thinking like, how am I going to find my first clients? So how, how did you find your first clients? It's, I don't know, it's crazy. I think that there's a sort of overlap between freelance and between freelancing in general, not just film and just the film industry where it's a lot to do with uh, networking. Mm -hmm. um, like I didn't find any of the people who I do work for 
through you know putting myself out there as like a with like a, a cv and yeah you know making you know like a profile for myself and people were like emailing me and no i found out people because they i just like got a whatsapp <laughs> um from like from like you or or someone else being like hey i know this person who wants this done and then you do that thing and then that person recommends you to other people and then you just sort of work the like a network that way which is really funny because it always find like the film industry and freelancing to be it's sort of counterintuitive to what like what you learn in film school where they teach you to oh you have to sort of you know promote yourself and it's like yeah you do have to promote yourself but like that comes a little bit later actually the sort of first steps is just like building it like the network first that yeah. sort of starts to grow naturally and then you start making that name for yourself that you can then build some sort of like i don't know brand around like we have i didn't i didn't i didn't find that the the sort of clients came from you know making an online presence and then you know the emails started flooding in or something it it doesn't really work that way it's it starts from a more like uh like grassroots sort of word of mouth approach starting small and then that person refers you to another person or you have got like other uh, editing friends or it doesn't have to be editing it could be like associated to your, to your field and then they'll recommend you for the thing and or you're busy right now and then like for recently for example someone approached me for editing work but I was like super busy and then I passed the details on to someone else and I think they were busy and they passed it on to someone else but <laughs> you see what I mean like it's yeah. it's um I think that's how it works more organically than I think making the sort of presence and sort of profile and brand for yourself actually comes a little bit later than doing just the from the ground up word of mouth stuff first, which no one really speaks about. Yeah, um, everyone. Yeah, know. exactly. Like I, I, for me, uh, when I did go freelancing, there was like a good four months where I didn't have any <laughs> any work. Right. And I knew that was probably going to be the case. So I had like a little bit of, of a safety net there. But it turned out that the, the first client that I had was somebody who had also worked at the same place that I worked and now worked for a different company. Um, so and then they because they knew me or because this guy knew me, he could recommend me to his boss. And then that mm -hmm. was the first sort of client that I had. And I did like a couple of things with him. And then the, the next client, again, Somebody that I knew was working with a person and exactly like you said, Mark, they got too busy. So they passed that person up over to me. So much work came from that as well. I, I, I got too busy. So that's where I got you involved as well. So I, I think it's exactly what you're saying. Like as a freelancer, word of mouth or like just knowing people, networking, <laughs> that's it's the best way to start, mm -hmm. which is also difficult and intimidating because it's like, yeah, you just need to know people. <laughs> You know, and that's, yeah, that's not very good advice. Wild. Yeah. Yeah, but it's kind of true. Like, I don't know. There's also that, that joke about, I don't know, just jobs and capitalism in general, where it's like you have to have experience to get work, but then how do you get yeah, the, experience the experience if you can't working, get the work? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It's a, it's, a wild, it's a wild world because there isn't like... A very there isn't sort of a natural i suppose this goes back to what i was speaking about as well just the film getting into the film industry is like there isn't a there isn't just like a one uh entry point you know what i mean you think that mm. there's someone just going to be there at a door that says film industry on it and then like <laughs> open it for you and be like welcome in and you walk in yeah in that room is standing every single other person yeah i think a lot of people I mean, I think a lot of people do sort of accept that they're going to have to start as a PA and they're willing to start as a PA, but it's like, how do you, how do you get there? <laughs> and I, like you said, it's yeah. just, I think maybe even you should try if, if there's, if somebody's shooting a student film or a short film, you should just volunteer to do it for free. Then you meet people there and then you're like, okay, listen, on the next thing that you're doing, I'll do another thing for free. Eventually you start charging. Yeah, for sure. So then... Speaking about char charging people, uh, how do you choose your rate? Um, well, 
if you're me, then what you do is you undervalue your time and then you're like, what's happening? And then you ask Yaku, who's been doing it for a while, how much he charges for his time. And then he tells you and then you're like, okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, which I, I think... I mean, I say it as a joke, but I think it's a sort of a good learning point is, and also, I suppose, touches on one of the other questions that we do have here. So you can answer them sort of two and one is I wrote here is freelancing lonely work for exactly this reason um, is because people think that if you're freelancing, you're like doing it alone, uh, which mm-hmm. is not true at all. Um, and I think that if you are trying to figure out how much to charge for your time, find someone who's doing a similar thing and ask them how how much they're charging for their time and then work that according to how much experience they have versus you. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm, mm. Um, And if you have the, you know what I mean? Yeah, if you have the skills and stuff as well, yeah. It doesn't have to be lonely work. You don't have to figure it out alone. That's well. That's how it worked for me. How how did you find out how much to charge? So the first sort of freelance. Okay, this was like even before I went freelance when I was still studying. The first sort of freelance thing that I did was at after in third year, and it was for a onset sound recordist. Uh, so I was lucky enough to like ask the lecturer, just be like, okay, so what do you think I should charge? And then he could be like, okay, well you've got this experience, blah blah blah. I think I I found somebody like an experienced person who told me that for editing, they make this much an hour or this much a day mm-hmm. or this much a week. Exactly what you said. And then I just sort of started as doing things for like way under that. And then just every job increasing it a little bit until I was at the same level as what they, what they were. Because mm-hmm. th- I could tell these people like, okay, look, I'm cheaper because I don't have as much experience. But look, this is the thing that I did for this other person. So it still looks good, you know, so pay me this much. Mm-hmm. And then I just kept doing that until I had the, the amount that I was happy with. And it's also, I think an important thing is not to undercharge for too long. I think, Mark, you, you, you suffered from this for a while because you were like, oh, but I charged this much on that job. So I should charge the same, you know, which, yeah. <laughs> which I think you should increase until you're at, this, at the level that you're happy with. Like, I think with the arts people, I mean, there's like a, there's like a stereotype about it. People like try to negotiate with you or they're like, oh, but you're only pointing a camera. And it's like, no, but I also spent all these years learning to point that camera. So I think when you value yourself, other people value you as well. Does that make sense? Like if you, Mm -hmm. if you, if you know that this product that I'm delivering is worth this much, then charge that much. But then obviously don't overcharge. I think overcharging is, is the biggest mistake you can make, especially in the beginning. But if you are making a video, a promotional video, and it's it's sort of easy to to compare promotional videos. So you can like be like, I'm making something that's at the same quality as this other person or better or maybe not quite there yet. And then you charge according to that because... I think undervaluing yourself is just going to put you in a trap because then you're in you're with this client and this client's going to tell their friends, yeah, yeah, I worked with this guy, he's really good and he's cheap. So then they go to you and you're like, okay, uh, what's your budget? And they're like, okay, we know he's cheap, so we're not going to offer that much when yeah. they, they might have the money if you charge more. So I think you should know what you're worth. You should know why you're worth that much and you should charge it. And if people... If it's something that you really want to do and they, you can you know that these people genuinely don't have the budget for that, then you negotiate and mm-hmm. you go drop your price. But if it's somebody mm-hmm. that you know can pay and they just don't want to, then walk away from the, from the job. Yeah, for sure. I was just thinking now we're mentioning all this sort of advice and stuff you've learned is that uh, if you are a lecturer at a film school, please teach this. <laughs> yes, please. Please teach this. Please. Like, <laughs> it was so wild when I graduated and then I got into this world and just hadn't been taught about it at all. <laughs> yeah. Like this side of it specifically. Like, I don't know if there was in sort of producing classes, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
it's and also stuff like taxes like it just doesn't get taught to you so if you are in film school right now i would say ask the lecturer to teach on that yeah um don't wait for them to teach you because they're probably not gonna <laughs> yeah because it's not a part of some syllabus yeah it probably doesn't have to be for some requirement but i think you should make it a requirement if you are yeah agreed agreed because it's going to be important for your literally your career you know if you if you're not making enough money to feed yourself you're probably going to go into a different career which don't <laughs> do the thing that you yeah. want to do please but yeah i think i think we can we can wrap up that sort of freelancing conversation there if you if you're feeling discouraged i think try to look at the work that you're doing and look at the jobs that you're accepting if you're just accepting jobs and you know they're not very good but you have to pay the bills um maybe look just t just be honest with the people and be like this is way under what i usually charge and i'm willing to do it one more time but i don't think we can continue if you can't maybe raise your price even by a little bit because i think if you if you feel undervalued that's also gonna ruin you <laughs> if you feel like i'm doing all this work and they don't appreciate it it's it sounds silly but it's it's something that that definitely happens and it's something that a lot of people struggle with and that's gonna just make you want to stop doing it so yeah mm. be honest with yourself and do do what you love and if you don't love it do something else sage advice <laughs> so that's it for this episode of department spotlight looking back on 2020 and what we had learned and sort of sharing those lessons with you i hope you enjoyed it so if you liked that episode remember that we have an entire youtube channel go on over to youtube.com slash loot pictures and check out our videos uh, i mean we talked about a lot of them in this episode you might enjoy them but until next time go out there stay safe and make, make your movie, movie.